This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talking Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talking they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a loss. And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and sir. pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. As you see, Mike Washington is out on assignment. We got the clinical professor on duty as usual, uh, cleaning, clean, hitting back up to make sure that we uh, are getting it all, all in today. Welcome to episode 337 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab show, radio show and podcast. The show that's covered in sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports. From institutions large and small from the HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Yadda Kabilalong. My co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to Caseway's 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. With that being said, today's episode of Inside the HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THE Agency, LLC. THE Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. With that being said, Charles, how are you doing today? Doing well, Doc. Doing well in the SWAT Championship Week. Getting geared up for this weekend in Jackson, Mississippi, as the Tigers get ready to take on the Jaguars. So it should be a fun time. We all will be in Jackson this weekend, so looking forward to it. You act like you're surprised. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I hate you. <laughs> With that being said, uh, A.D. Drew, how are you doing today? You know, while the rest of the HBCU world either uh, gloats over Jackson State, despises Jackson State, or uh, mourns the imminent end of the HBCU football season, we mm. down here in Georgia had to take care of, uh, start this week, taking care of some extra business that we got to take. So uh, I went and did my part uh, earlier this afternoon. So uh, that that's my nice. that's my that's my distraction for right now, until next week. Then 
I'll start doing what everybody else is doing. That is appropriate. Um, get out there and vote for those in Georgia. Let your voice be heard. Uh, with that said, we give a shout out. We hadn't done this in a while. We have some loyal listeners. Let me shout out these folks and say thanks. Silas Edward McMorris, Ron Waters, and he says, hey, guys, hell wild wildcats. I see you. Mm. We'll get into that. Look like some changes down in Bethune Cooking. Uh, Silas says, good evening, class. Juan C. Hill is joining us. Lonnie Shaw is in the building. Jimmy L. Wilson. Lennon Flo is in here. Jimmy says, good evening, lab and faculty. That's correct. Uh, Mary Allen. Hello, everyone. Jonathan Hernandez. Kate Johnson says, great evening, lab fanatics. Ricky Burton is in the building. John Jenkins. Jazzy Faith. Saying, hey, y'all, Trudy Jackson uh, in there. Lonnie said, hola, lab mates. I like this. Nice. LaShant Harris. Lennon says he has a question out the box. Hey, Dr. Ville, the Spartans are taking over H-Town tonight. We're taking all the turkey legs from Turkey Leg Hut. That's a great choice. <laughs> that is a great choice. So somebody has told you about the assignment, and you have done your homework, Lennon. And so I like the fact that you're taking over Houston. Um, I certainly look forward to that matchup, playing a, a number one ranked team now in the Houston Cougars down there. So great opportunity. Um, shout out to Coach over there with the Rockets. He did analysis with our colleague Chris uh, as he got a chance to break it down. And he talked about how talented the starters coming back, uh, talented with Norfolk State. And I was like, yep, right on the money. That's the homework. Yeah. That's the team yeah. to be reckoned with with Norfolk State in terms of what they're doing. Uh, one of the top programs, if not the top program, uh, on the men's side of HBCU basketball in the major division. Those polls will be coming out quickly. Um, but, yeah, it's fascinating to see what Norfolk State is doing on the hardwood. Uh, and as we finish up those off the grass and turf, if you would, it is about time to start focusing a little more on basketball. We'll get in that a couple of weeks. We still got a couple of matchups that we got to get and crown the champion this year uh, at the major division level. We finished that with the major division level. We will crown a champion today. Thank you. Theron says, nice jacket. Yeah, I was wondering who was going to recognize that first. You get kudos, Theron, putting it out there. Just wanted to make sure my colleagues here didn't even say anything about my jackets. Huh? So I'm going to have to remi remind them of that when I decide to uh, play with their mic. So just just saying, just saying. Uh, Jimmy says there aren't enough Spartans in Houston to do that. Oh my goodness, they getting in. Jerome G. Sullen Sutton is in the house. G. Boom Holly, I see y'all at Very Williams. Very Williams says one and zero. Oh. That's the mantra this week. That is correct. To win a championship, yes. you must go one and zero. Oh. I like that. Uh, Charles says zero oh and one. <laughs> oh, he's out here. Well, on to second thoughts, 0-2. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, he's getting in there. And, Charles, I hope y'all beat Southern you, you, so you all can get that can of MEAC smoke meat by North Carolina Central. <laughs> and I ride over to MEAC, and I can't wait to see what JSU will do against North Carolina Central, who thinks it is equally good. Wendell Davis, Caraculum. Good evening, lab. Straight out of PV. Wendell Davis, brother Wendell Davis. Good stuff there. Good stuff. A lot of smoke coming out there. Always, never too early to talk a little smoke. With that being said, Charles, what's the news of the day? Let me jump out of here first and get it off the cuff. Obviously, a lot of the noise is out there with the media coming to a close uh, with the championship game with Southern and Eric Dooley. 
Coach Dion, before folks could get in the matchup, somebody asked a question about the rumors out there with Colorado. Usually you have coaches that kind of circle around it. <laughs> he came back and said, uh, as he did not avoid it, he confirms that he has been offered by Colorado. And then he puts even more out and said by others. And surprise, folks didn't follow up and say, did he take it? Or <laughs> say, what are the other schools? Or why is he leaving? We didn't get those questions. I'm sure they'll come along this later in the week. And so it's fascinating. So uh, HBCU social media platforms are blowing up with that news. But then we got a lot of other stuff out there. So wanted to get that out of there. So it'd be fascinating to see what goes next. Charles, what else you got on your mind that's in the HBCU media sphere? Well, yeah, the SWAC had their postseason honors come out uh, uh, this past weekend. We take a look at it. Quarterback Shadur Sanders, he was selected the Offensive Player of the Year. His teammate Aubrey Miller Jr. was tabbed Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Jackson State's Kevin Coleman Jr. Uh, was chosen as the Freshman of the Year. Uh, and then you also have Jarvin Howard from Alcorn. He was the newcomer. Uh, of the year. So uh, all those guys, tremendous accolades, too many accolades, probably read through all of them, but I'll, I'll touch on a couple of them here. Offensive player of the year, uh, Shador Sanders, he had uh, set a single season record for touchdown passes, 32, while passing for 3,083 yards and rushing for a career high five touchdowns. He leads the swag and completions, completion percentage, passing yards and touchdowns. We take a look at Aubrey Miller, who had 98 tackles on the year, 53 solo, one sack, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, four quarterback hits, five pass breakups, and one touchdown, and a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, and then newcomer of the year, <laughs> Jarvin Howard, swag newcomer of the week, twice this past season. He led the league in rushing yards, 1,273 yards, while ranking fourth in scoring. Uh, he ranks uh, tied for 20th in FCS with 12 rushing touchdowns. And the freshman year, Kevin Coleman, he caught 24 passes for 324 yards and a touchdown, uh, averaging 25.3 yards on kickoff returns. Uh, he contributed two-plus receptions in a game nine times this season while catching two passes for 76 yards, including a career-long 64-yard reception versus Mississippi Valley State. And the coach of the year is one Deion Primetime Sanders. Uh, he led Jackson State to its first 11-0 regular season in school history. JSU also completed the first undefeated fall regular season by a league team since 1991. The Tigers tallied 10 wins by margins of 10-plus points, and Jackson State held 10 opponents to 14 points or less, while the defense also led the FCS in seven defensive categories. Jackson State has won 17 consecutive conference games and 19 straight against SWAC opponents. So those are your postseason honors. Jackson State really racked up. Yeah, they went into treasure chest. They this close, this close for a sweep. The last Thank time I think we seen a sweep. <laughs> yeah, last time we seen a sweep in terms of a sports and the SWAC was back Texas Southern a couple of years ago in basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, we hadn't seen that in a while in terms of what that looks like. Jawan Howard gets in there and off one, but steals. Wilkerson, Savion was still first team when you talk about that. So that close. And you don't even have Travis Hunter on the list in regards to that. And part of that, obviously, with his injury playing uh, half a season. But even with that, he stacked up and had a couple of players of the weeks to let you know that he's still in the mix. That's amazing when you talk about the talent. But that's what happens when you go undefeated, not only in the conference, but overall. 
Um, you're going to have some talented players and obviously a coach on the list. Amazing there. Before I go to you, A.D., Drew, to get some additional news, I want to put this out there. You know, two of the top teams in the Eastern Division, some would argue top teams overall, top five programs in HBCU. Um, the interest is not just on Coach Prime. Uh, Coach Deion yeah, Sanders also played. Coach Willie Sims identified as a name to watch. With Florida Atlantic University, as that job came open. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Man, um, tough, tough. Could be a lot of name changes in the coaches. You know, we've had two coaches that are dismissed. I'll bring up the news that obviously Bethune-Cookman has gone in a different direction, which Coach mm -hmm. Sim, they relieved him of his duties. Obviously, we already seen that Pine Bluff has made the move, so they're out there looking for a coach. And then you stay in the major division, you go up to the MEAC, you see they've made changes uh, um, this week. We've previously seen some at the mid-major list. So uh, it's another one of those interesting. It doesn't stop as things just continue to churn for various reasons, whether coach no longer, the university no longer wants you there or if a coach is moving on for a different opportunity, it will be fascinating to see. With that being said, enough of my mouth. A.D. Drew, what else is on your mind in terms of the news of the day that's out there? Well, uh, first of all, I just want to shout out, uh, you know, Kevin Coleman is from my hometown, St. Louis, Missouri, so I just got to throw that in for you, Charles. You know, mm. we, do, we do a little something besides play basketball with St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, with that note, stick right there, Drew. That's that's good because it, it, it's fascinating when you think about the talent of freshmen and obviously all, all the eyes hunters. Deservedly so in terms of being the number one recruit, five star. But you have this other four star. He shows uh, his skills uh, to the point where he's named uh, to that postseason uh, with Kevin Coven. And I would say a lot of folks, when people would think about it, you had top, two top fifty picks, and I think uh, everybody's eyes was focused so much on Hunter. The fact that you bring it up with St. Louis and Coleman, I thought that's a big deal. So I appreciate you doing it. Uh, yeah, shout out. Yeah, and uh, obviously uh, for me, my the lead story is uh, you know Willie Simmons uh, with the report that you uh, read did not fail to mention that three consecutive nine win seasons, mm. and mm. were it were it not for the sanctions in nineteen <laughs> and yep. Jackson State in the last two years, Florida A and M is is probably the best team in. Uh, HBCU football, the team that we're talking about, be it not for uh, be it not for Jackson State and what Coach Prime has done, and that's no disrespect to Jackson State. But uh, speaking of Jackson State, though, those y'all headed to Jackson, you know, tickets for the for the championship game are on sale. They are on sale at the vet. Thirty five dollars uh, general admission, reserve seats are fifty dollars, box seats are sixty five dollars. Get them in advance because they go jack the price up on you a couple of dollars on, on game day. And you know you can't go there without parking. Well, I, I'm sorry to tell y'all, the parking is going to be about the same as one of your tickets. So if you plan on taking four, budget for five so that you can park. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and oh, Charles Bishop said, if you have any problems, just go ahead and hit him up on his Twitter and, and, and he'll call his people to call his people. <laughs> to, to get somebody to handle your situation for you. 
And if you can't get hold of Charles, Dealey say he got Dealey is say he's number two on the list. So either hit Chuck or Dealey or somebody from the free game show staff, and they will do what they can to assist you. Uh, yeah. as the unofficial spokesman for the Jackson Visitors Convention Bureau. Yeah, I know. I understand we're playing host this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, make sure you take care of your boy that hosts the show. That's all I said. Everybody else. All right. Make sure I exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's hard to get Ubers around this, so don't leave me at the uh, airport. That's that, know, that, right? that Yeah. With that being said, let's go to our first break. We'll come back on the other side and talk about a little more news. We'll go into... Uh, the commissioner's comments from the close of the media day. We can get in a little bit and see what people's thoughts. He had a lot to say in regards to uh, where the SWAC is going. Some of the things we know, and then there's some uh, some new stuff out there. But it'll be interesting to see what these guys think about the SWAC and where it's heading. With that, stick with us. We'll be right back after this break and get into some more news as we do an extended edition. We'll come back in our third segment, give you the poll rankings, um, and then we'll have the last segment where we'll talk about this matchup We'll go all in on Thursday. So we'll just touch on it a little bit from the peripheral, and then we'll give some more insight on Thursday. Stick around so we can talk a little bit more about your HBCU sports. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Tell everybody Network. they can follow their dreams. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember they can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax.
Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love laugh and root about, about. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab with the professor. We have Professor Bishop, clinical professor Drew. Let's get into it as we close out. We said we're going to come back and talk a little bit about Charles, Dr. Charles McCullough, the commissioner of the SWAG and his comments. Let me open it up with this quote. Quote, I've said this before and I'll say it now. We are not the small black college or conference anymore, end quote. Um, that obviously stood out to me and just kind of was a shot out the bar before we get into some other intriguing things that came out of it. With that being said, you know, I got a chance, you know, ask the question in regards to the revenues and things that nature where that kind of illuminated, where he talked about the fact attendance records broke television numbers, deals in the revenue. Um, so fascinating in terms of just where the conference is going. Before I get into it, and ask your thoughts in terms of what stood out to you. Give me just the overall view in terms of that statement. What is that? How does that statement hit you, Charles? Uh, I remember where we were in maybe 2013 or 2014, something to that effect, uh, before Dr. McClellan took over. And to watch where this conference has gone mm. now, it's uh, truly amazing not only the, the upward trajectory of the, the, the member schools, but uh, even from a media standpoint, there are a thousand podcasts talking about swag football now, or swag athletics, uh, HBC athletics uh, uh, more generally. And it's amazing. It's amazing to watch the growth and to watch how this conference has really skyrocketed since uh, Dr. McClellan has taken over. Good point. Drew, what were your thoughts on that comment? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a bit of an outsider with the BAC roots that I have. Uh, most of my career fan view has been in the BAC, so I'm kind of new to the uh, new to the SWAC culture. So coming in with a uh, school that I follow for them coming in, I don't, I didn't know what Charles knew from the early 2000s because I'm watching it from afar. I was worried about the BAC and saw the BAC go on this rise and almost get there. And then mm. 2008, 2009, 2010, kind of level off and then start start fall, falling down the hill. Mm. Ironically, about the same time that the SWAT started going up here. So, you know, I wonder how much it, it, are, are we pulling from one black for another black to shine, or is or, or, or are there other factors that are are contributing contributing to this? Because uh, for every, for as much attention as the swag has uh, gotten over the last few years, I'm forgetting about it, we got three three four other HBCU conferences out there that. Or losing that attention because mm. as a fan, we've all, we've only got so much attention to get. So uh, between that and we have to we have to really ask the honest to God question: How much of the SWAC's mediocre rise in the last two years, three years, 
is the prime effect. And with the possibility of prime leaving and going to another job, there, there will be a drop. No, no, no question about that. There will be a drop. But where is that sustainability point that's still going to get it Correct. so that the other programs get to benefit of it? When would the trickle-down economics, and I'm going real old school with that, when would the trickle-down economics start affecting <laughs> co coaching salaries, scholarships, uh, other benefits that players are, are able to receive, and capital improvements at our school? That is the next set of questions that would need to be answered. Great points. Charles, you want to jump in there, respond well, to that or add to it? Yeah, yeah I think he, he, uh, Dr. McClellan made a point yeah, um, when he was saying that, you know, the revenue growth, growth within the SWAC is, is uh, where they dis uh, distributed more than $9 million to the, to the member schools. And then you take a look at the television contracts uh, with HBCU Go and ESPN, which he mentioned that they're about to renegotiate. And I think we're still on an upward trajectory. There's no doubt there, had, there has been a prime effect, but I think that that, that prime effect is uh, something that's boosting it even more. I don't I don't think it's ready to level off as of yet because uh, we're in a situation where we're going to see uh, more eyeballs on the conference as a whole. Can, can I follow up with that, uh, qu quickly? Go ahead. Uh, and, and I agree with you, Charles, but uh, I still go back to my question. When are we going to start seeing the tangible results of this money that these schools have received? When are we going to see the improved athletic athletic facilities? When are we going to see the new turf or the new uh, weight rooms or the new well, training facilities at, at, at schools not named Jackson State and Florida A&M? The schools have to be able to invest in athletics. They have to. They have to put uh, some priority on athletics. I think that's the thing that jumps out for me. I mean, it's one thing for the revenue to be distributed, but is it going to make its way back into the growth of the athletic program? And, and, and that's the question that I have. How long does I think, it take? I think is it three years? Is it five years? Questions. Yeah, I think those are legitimate questions. And I think you're right. You're probably going to have to see it over a three to five year period of time. And I think there's an important part to look at. And so when he talks about the distribution of $9 million, um, and you know this about projects because you've been in project business and same with yourself, Bishop. It's like there's the planning phase of the project business and still some of these things have to be approved for the board. So if you get money that is distributed, let's say it's distributed late in the spring semester, which have been last year, you're talking a lag time, three to six months, maybe a year on projects. Um, and I think we just need to look a little closer um, at some projects that took place. And some of those projects are directly related because of the revenue growth and the competitive nature of what's taking place. Uh, you got TSU that's about to do a, a facility enhancement in terms of the weight room and things of those natures. So I think you'll start to see this. The other thing that's important uh, before we get in there, because I know Charles wanted to, I mean, wanted to add another statement is, is that this $9 million distribution does not include the television big deal that came out with HBCU uh, Go, nor is it going to account for the upcoming negotiations with uh, ESPN over said period of time, right? So that distribution money from HBC Go will not even be distributed until the end of the year. Mm. Um, so there's going to be a natural lag time that we got to think about. But to your point is that that investment needs to be made. And I think you're starting to see some of that investment. And I would say some of that investment that you're seeing right away is 
the influx of salary that's directly related to what you see some of the stronger basketball programs or what they're doing. Um, but it, as you're alluding to, it has to be continued. Let me go to you, Charles. I know there was another statement that you wanted to look at uh, that brought out of there uh, as he has the quote that says, we are a legitimate force. Our revenue numbers are tracking extremely strong. I have not seen the other FCS conference revenue this year, but based on last year's numbers, we will be ranked first of all FCS. Given where we are with our television contracts, in five years we'll actually surpass two FBS conferences, and they might have the ability of their numbers with new television contracts. But based on where they are now, you're projected to be above uh, at least two, maybe three of the FBS conferences out there. Charles, what are your thoughts when you hear things of that? And what else did you want to bring to the table? So that's amazing hearing that the natural question that comes to my mind is, are we getting to a point where uh, the Southwestern Athletic Conference is outgrowing FCS? Is it legitimately ready to make this move as a conference to the FBS where all <laughs> accounts where all the money is? So that that's the that's the major question for me. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because I know uh, I was listening to some things outside of FBS, and obviously we've heard about Sam Houston State, Jacksonville State, and most recently um, over there in Kennesaw State, or Kennesaw, they like to talk about it now, out of the greater Georgia, greater Atlanta area, moving to join Conference USA. Um, but Stephen F. Austin was a rival to Sam Houston there in the WAC. One of the things that those Texas schools that left the Southland Conference to join the WAC and start a football is over a period of time, they were going to talk about going FBS as a group. Um, and Coach Stephen F. Austin says that's still the plan. It looks like they may join up with uh, the Atlantic Sun on the football side and still push towards that trajectory. They have the benefit of the WAC being, at one time, being a football FBS conference. So what does that look like? And I know he talked about the transformation committee and how heavy he's involved in terms of making sure the politics is taking place, that uh, the governing rules will be in place so the SWAT can look at being FBS. So great points you're making there in terms of what that looks like. Um, Lonnie has a legitimate question here, and statement more than a question, I should say. The second part is a question. He says, you're not going to see it when the average giving back from HBCU's alumni is around 13%. Um, I think that has to increase. But I think sometimes we need to be careful because he talks about why can't we reach 40% of historically white colleges. He said PWIs, but I like to use the vernacular of historically white colleges. So you're showing the equality between the two because that's what they historically were, were historically white colleges. And if you put predominantly, you allow them to escape that history, particularly the negative connotations of the history, which we need to make sure that uh, we remind them of their unjust framework of what they did. But part of that injustice that I think sometimes we forget is, is that there are studies out there that talks about the average salary of African-Americans and how it compares to European-Americans and whites. So if they're making greater salaries, um, both between men and even more so in terms of women, and we tend to educate more women in terms of African-Americans, the capacity in terms of the income makes it more challenging to look at um, the giving rates. So I think it's significant and dangerous to always compare yourselves to historically white colleges when you have a deprivation of years of mm -hmm. privilege that is associated with who they are. 
So we, you know, it's good to have measure sticks and it's always good to increase and push that, but to strictly measure yourself, whether it's in athletics in terms of your ability to compete, we need to make sure that we're looking at the whole entire picture of what takes place in this country that puts African-Americans, Blacks, and institutions or Black spaces in a challenging position in regards to understanding that. I think sometimes we are quick to forget as if everything is equal. And even though we have a lot of African-American Black people doing well, we cannot forget uh, what is really out there in terms of that. I'll end on a more positive note to say that this is a significant move to understand where the conference is going. And so the trigger points is to understand measuring and metrics. Um, growth and change does not happen over a day, especially if you got there. It's over a period of time. So the metrics of growth are important to see what that looks like. And so I'm fascinated to see uh, where this conference can go. With that, we'll close out on our news and segment. We can talk even more about that there's a lot of nuggets out there. And uh, hopefully we get a chance maybe to dissect a little more about what Charles put on the table. Um, he even talked about more bold opportunities, obviously understanding the rule governance of NCA, uh, that that's a look that's been talked out there um, about the fact that the conference doesn't necessarily dictate uh, what the institutions will do. It's the membership that dictate that, uh, whether that is looking at divisional alignments or going to a conference setup where the top two teams play. So a lot of things in that nature. With that being said, let's go to our next break. We'll get into marching sport in terms of the halftime, and then we'll come back on the other side, and we'll name our top ten rankings. We'll name our mid-major champion. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And we'll give you an update on the major division field as we start to close out on the champion there. And in a lot of ways, uh, we're into a playoffs. We'll maybe show you what that looks like in terms of those that are interested in the postseason playoffs. I would say, in a lot of ways, we do have a playoff system in we can enhance it even more, but right now we certainly have a playoffs. Uh, what's going on? And I'll tell you a little bit more about that on the other side. Stickers will be right back after this break. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. offers the most advanced and luxurious pickup in its class. Yeah, it runs. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. 
Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. <laughs> It's like a loop machine. All around town, trying to get down. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lock left and move about, about. So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention, boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab with Charles and AD. Let's get into our mid-major poll rankings. I'm going to switch it around if you can this week. Um, let's start with the major division. Since we're going to name our champion mid-major, we're going to save them the last, give them uh, a little time and a little shine to be uh, last up as we do. So let's go into the major division and look at the updates of what took place there. No changes in terms dropping out. Obviously, we only had a couple of games this week uh, involving major division programs. That was the Bayou Classic uh, that uh, came in with uh, uh, attendance of 60,000. So they are number two uh, behind the Magic City Classic. Uh, top 10 of the top 10, I think, uh, what was it, five of those games involved Jackson State? Yeah, four, uh, four of the four of the 10 involved Jackson State. Mm -hmm. Four of the 10 and six mm -hmm. of the 10 in involved SWAC institution matchups. Yeah, or matchups between teams. Yeah, that's pretty significant when you talk about the top 10. And uh, eight of those games were 50,000 and above. Yeah. Which is amazing when you look at that. But let's get into this um, major division when we talked about, we said that uh, nobody dropping out. Delaware State is still receiving the votes. Tough when you're outside of the top 10 and you're getting dismissed, boy, when you're receiving votes, how clear Close you are, you talking about a winning season, five and six. Does he get this Smith coach there if he goes six and five? Wow, mm. it's hard to imagine you might be that close in terms of getting another opportunity. Let's get in the top ten uh, to see just how precarious these things can go. At number ten, you have none other than Howard in the mix in terms of the top ten teams there as they got a share of the championship. They also were five and six. And again, to give you another example, they went four and one in the conference race in terms of what that looks like. But it gives you another example of just the difference to a program that is on the upside, finishing four and one in the conference versus two and three. Same overall record, but Howard earns the co-championship part of the MEAC. So you see them totally different. Let's get into number nine. Number nine in terms of our ranking is none other than all four state Braves, five and six, four and four in the season. In the West of Division, they were in contention to play in the SWAC championship game until their last game against the rival, and that they were one of the teams among the four that got knocked out, with three of them getting knocked out. Bring us to number eight. When we look at number eight in the poll rankings, we have none other than ah. Texas Southern sitting at five and six in terms of what they did uh, with a pretty solid season and giving them some credit in terms of uh, what's going on there in terms of that matchup. Uh, bringing us to number seven, they finished at five and six, four and four. They were four and one in the Western Division. I would want to say that about the Southern uh, when you think about that in terms of divisional play. At number seven, Alabama State Hornets were tracking to be a top five program. They lost uh, to a winless at that time, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff turnovers 
and a lot of that day is turkey days. So kind of put a little sour bit on the season. Overall, it's still top 10, 6-4, and 4-3, four, four and three, 47 points, uh, dropping for the four, three spots from the four spot previously, uh, but giving some indication of what goes on with them being a mix. Going to number six as we finish off uh, the bottom five programs in the top 10, you have none other than Prairie View. Prairie View and them, Panthers uh, were tracking to be in the top five and playing in the championship. They lost the Valley. It pushes them down. They do move up based on some of the changes there having the head-to-head record against Alabama State, but they finished at 6-5, and 5-3, five, five and three, moving up one spot from number 7 uh, at 48. Let's get into the top five programs and see who are some of those more special programs, if you would. Top five, North Carolina A&T State Aggies, 7-4, and 4-1. Four, four and Solid season, but disappointing when you start thinking about that they were playing for a championship game literally last weekend with a chance to get into the playoffs, finish at 8-3. They lose that. They fall to 7-4. Four and one in the conference race in the Big South before they move over to the Colonial, where things certainly will change. We'll see what that looks like moving into 2023 season. With that said, still sticking with 2022. Let's get into number four. Southern Jaguars drop up two spots in the top five. Makes it nice. You can talk about a top five matchup uh, with uh, the SWAC championship game this weekend. Southern Jaguars get to four, seven and four. Uh, as they finish at five and three in terms of their overall record, winning the Bayou Classic. Make sure I get that correct. They're actually seven and four, five and three. With that being said, let's get into number three, moving up the ladder. FAMU. FAMU is nine and two, seven and one, 94 points. Um, they stay at number three uh, as they fell last week to number two. Bring us to number two, North Carolina Central. Uh, as they were open last week after a big victory on the road to close out the season, 9-2. and two. Um, Just imagine how close they were with South Carolina State going undefeated wow. in the NBA, but getting to 10 wins is more interesting. They still have a chance to get to 10, but if they get to 10, um, they get the big trophy in terms of getting it done in the Celebration Bowl because that's where they sit and wait. 9-7 on the season, two first-place votes. Number one in the ranking, not surprising anybody, is Jackson State. The Tigers 11-0, 8-0, as they had a week off to prepare for the SWAC championship and find out ultimately they will be playing Southern. And we'll talk a little more about that matchup, 12 first-place votes, 120 points. They do it for the 11th consecutive week as they continue to roll and get it done. Actually, the 12th week, with that being said. Charles, what are your thoughts on the top 10 rankings for the major division? I want to say kudos to a few teams that I thought really had a phenomenal bounce-back seasons. Uh, Texas Southern. Uh, finishing in the top 10, a uh, five-win season, uh, considering where they were, uh, a heck of a bounce back. Alabama State had a, a bounce back season where uh, they, uh, although they did not finish strong with the loss of UAPB, but it was a bounce back overall season uh, with the addition of Eddie Robinson. And then Southern, uh, we have to remember, Southern did not have a good season last year, but for them to bounce back and, and to be playing in the SWAT championship game, uh, you have to take your hats off again. But uh, there is, a, uh, I mean, the, Jackson State with the undefeated season, it was a historic season. Uh, as many years as I've watched this Jackson State football team, uh, this is easily one of the most dominant defenses I've ever seen. It was a phenomenal watch, and it was a, a truly a, an honor to be a part of it in some manner. Drew, what are your thoughts? Dr. Gaville, this was probably the most anticlimactic poll 
Not not <laughs> only for the year, but maybe the most anticlimactic poll in the history uh, of the the Dr. Kavir's inside HBCU Sports Lab poll. I mean, that's that's nothing there. Every, right. Everybody is exactly where you thought they would be. Uh, Southern Southern had the opportunity to move up with the W, and they did. They moved up right about where you thought they they should be. You know, some people may argue A and T versus uh versus Southern in that five four slide, yeah. but you know Southern is still playing. A and T is sitting at home, so I can see I can see Southern getting the uh Southern getting the bid. Uh, so the question is after this week, Jackson State Southern. Where will where will they sit, uh, based on the wins and loss? And since there's nothing else to fill up the time for this segment, I do want to bring up something about the Bayou Classic. And I just got to get this point out for all those who are Go talking ahead. about playoff versus Celebration Bowl. There were eight FC playoff games on Saturday. The combined attendance. In all eight FCS playoff games, was forty one thousand one hundred and eighty nine. You wonder why they play the value and say the heck with the playoffs. Sixty eight, they got sixty eight thousand three hundred and forty one reasons why they they play the value instead of going to the playoffs. You gonna see another fifty five to sixty thousand reasons on this Saturday why. We, while we play our own postseason instead of going to the playoffs. And you'll see another you know, forty five to 50,000 in two weeks on why. Just, I'm going to that. That is, j- just to put that, just to put that down, that was, uh, that was over 27,000 difference. If all 12, if they would have had 12 games in the playoffs on Saturday, <laughs> I still don't think they it's would even with the Bayou Classic attendance. <laughs> you know what they did? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm off my soapbox. No, let's, 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 let's just say it. Let's put it out there. I mean, let's unpack it. Let's uh, unpack I mean, it. The reality is that the data points are out there. Uh, if, if you are still advocating for playing in the playoffs, that's just your uh, your inner proximity to Biden's demons acting up. That's just, that's we got to be real about that. Just. <laughs> yeah, say that's a demon. Yeah, you know, they ice is colder than our ice, so that's why we got to go to the playoffs because they ice is colder than our ice, they trophy is better than our trophy. So, yeah, tougher. that's true. <laughs> let's get into the uh mid major poll rankings. We won't go through the whole thing like you said because this is really anti. Mac is literally the same. Um, so let's pull it up and let's start with the very end and go to um, the end where we officially will name the Benedict Titan Tigers wait, wait. as they remain number one, third oh, straight sorry. weekend sorry, in wrong, terms of what they got phone. done. Um, and so the Benedict Tigers, as they fall with the tough loss at home in the playoffs, um, they still had a magical season going undefeated during the regular season. Uh, which included uh, winning the SIEC Eastern Division, the SIEC Championship game, um, and getting it done in terms of what that looked like. 
So go ahead and go to that last slide, if you would, um, and, and just kind of run through that so people can at least see uh, that it uh, took place. You talk about Benedict Tigers are, are Dr. Ville's inside the HBCU sports mid-major division football national champions uh, as they close out the season with the final record of 11-1, 8-0, uh, all 10 first-place votes, 100 points. Starting with you, A.D., any thoughts in terms of Benedict Tigers? The great season ultimately culminating with a national championship at the mid-major division. No, really, no, uh, no, no problems with Benedict being number one. I mean, you had your top three teams all suffer the L in the playoffs. None of the three mm. teams really had an excellent performance in those playoff games. And if mm. you had to really quantify the three, I would actually have to say Benedict probably was the best of the worst when it came to the to the playoff runs. The only thing that I would be interested to see, if not only Benedict, but any of our Division II teams, Benedict played in all HBCU schedule and still was able to get a double one seed in their, in their region. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason why they lost in the playoffs, but it's going to be interesting because obviously there were there was some type there was some differences between that all HBCU schedule and then when they went and played some other teams in the region out of the SAC that we've got to we've got to get to that next level when it when it comes to that. But Virginia Union lost to the SAC team. Fayetteville State lost to a Gulf South team. So even though we have our cream of the crop amongst ourselves. If we're going to play, and now this almost sounds like the counter argument for what I just uh, made about the uh, FCS level, but if we're going to play in it and we're going to seriously compete in the Division Two playoffs, we've got to figure out what we need to do to close the gap. And I'll give one thing, for instance, Wingate, the team that defeated Benedict and Virginia Union, has 11 assistant coaches. I don't know if they're all paid. Twelve, or I think. I think it's actually twelve. I th well, I think it's twelve counting ahead. I think it's eleven assistant coaches. No, I think it was it's thirteen counting ahead. It was, oh, it was, you, and you it was six and, on each side. Yep. And, eleven and, to twelve, and, 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 and the right. NCA only allows you to have ten. So some of those are getting paid either directly with schooling or working as teaching classes um, or something like that. Yeah, they're working with no direct paid volunteering, but still, um, or as you hear at the FBS level. Um, they have a different term that they use in terms of consultants or whatever. But to your overall point, I think there's one thing that needs to be said even with that matchup we don't necessarily consider. Look what Bowie State did. Yes. But part of their success is the fact that they were able to continue and grow. Um, and so some of these losses are going to be on your inexperience about Correct. your players and coaches not being there before. So some of it is about having the longevity. Most of the teams that do well in the playoffs are teams that have that experience of going through it for a while. And we saw that with uh, Bowie State Bulldogs. The first time they lost to them, people had the same questions. But as they continue to do it and get in there, understand what it takes, how, how to do that, they closed that gap pretty significantly and made it, you know, to a regional championship. We've seen the same thing with Winston-Salem State uh, when they went on a run. They went into the playoffs a couple of years. And then as they – understood um, and got over the fact that they were just in the playoffs, they started to make those runs. So one of the things is just about having the consistency 
with your athletic administration, and Charles will relate to this, from administration to make sure that they continue to provide the support in allowing coaches to grow. I think one of the things that we do copy our other counterparts to negative, if you would, is the fact that how fast we fire coaches, even though in a lot of times they don't have the same amount of resources, which we you get into. Let me go to you, Charles, because I know you had a comment. We're going to get the break, and then we'll come back on the other side and let you have a retort. Well, I, I think uh, that was a question I actually was going to ask, Dr. Bill, in terms of why do you think that learning curve uh, was so steep this year because we have seen HBCU teams have that success in, in the playoffs. Uh, and so the, the margin of the, the losses was particularly surprising to me because I thought these were some pretty good teams. I, I did not know whether they were young or they were experienced teams, whatever the case might be. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I was a little bit fascinated by the, the margin of, of the loss. I think youth can play a part in it, but I think it, We've seen this before. Even when FAMU, I go back to Andrew. He'll remember this when you go with FAMU when they went on their runs. First couple of years that FAMU got in the playoff under uh, Billy or whatever, they got beat. They lost. Then they would come back. They would learn a little more about that experience. Um, they went through the process, got better in terms of the teams, had great seasons. They even got the understanding about how to petition for a home game. They got a home game. They won that. Then they'd go on the road. And so every year they taught, uh, they would get a little better in regards to that. So a part of it, again, is about the process. Uh, when you see these teams that tend to have success in the playoffs, you start reading their resume and they went to the playoffs four of the last five years, five of the last six years. Uh, they've been, you know what I'm saying? So they're used to what the process is of going about the playoffs, which is different than when you get in the playoffs the first time. So I think, Sometimes our anticipation in terms about having a good team, um, you can still have a good team. But the other thing people forget about the playoffs, essentially all the teams are good <laughs> by definition. They have won the mm -hmm. conference or the top team, so you're playing against another good team. And so mm -hmm. when you have two good teams, somebody has to lose by definition how it is. And, and sometimes things just go where scores get out of hand, but I don't necessarily think that it's, it's always more than that. And we just got to be not overly fandom in terms of the roof on fire just because you lose a playoff game the first time you go to it. Remember, this is the first time Benedict had ever won the SIEC conference. Wow. Period. Period. <laughs> Period. So yeah. Virginia Newton had won the CIAA in, what, 15-some years. They have mm -hmm. state. This is the first time they got over the hump in five years playing in a championship game. And still didn't get so to there's the something to say about getting over the hump, championship right? game. So let, let me get into this uh, last break and come back on the other side because I did want to talk a little bit about the matchup just to tease it out a little bit. Um, as I said, we'll go in more detail, so we don't have to go in a lot of that. And so we'll be right back after this last break, and we'll get into it and talk a little more about uh, the big game this week in the Sweat Championship game, 2022 featuring Jackson Southern, two big-time rivals. Uh, we've seen this edition earlier, but it's a different now for the championship. We'll see how things go. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this last break. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us.
Cory Ma will be there soon. We? Is this the one? Well, let's say I found the one who takes me to another level. Always stays calm under pressure. Most importantly, the one that helps me discover the coolest places. This sounds wonderful. Come outside, I'll introduce you. They're here. Definitely the one. <laughs> Introducing the all-new Nissan Frontier. At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplify Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplify Development Services. It's like a loot machine. All around town, people trying to get down. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Mill with Inside HBC Sports Lab, back with the professors. That's Professor Bishop, uh, clinical professor Drew. Let's get into this little matchup. We'll tease some of this out. Like I said, we'll go full board on Thursday, really get in the matchup. We'll save uh, half the show to really talk about um, the ins and outs, defensive matchups, key players to watch. Uh, but in terms of the one thing that I want to look at is just what this kind of looks like from a playoff perspective. Uh, one of the things that Coach Scott from Howard University has said several times as they were doing their media uh, component over the years, particularly when they got into conference play, but only having five games, you know, six teams in the conference, five games, he talked about this being a mini playoff because you really couldn't essentially lose uh, a game, maybe one game to be in the race. So when you look at that framework, you see uh, that essentially – Central survived their playoff coming out of the Miet. Um, and so they have earned their bid, uh, ranked number two in the poll, nine and two, four and one, as we just closed out there. And then on the other side, you have what is de facto semifinals, if you would, which uh, at the time features uh, a top six team and obviously improved the number four. So you got a top five matchup uh, with Southern uh, improving the seven and four. Five and three on the season against number one undefeated, 11 and 0, uh, 8 and 0 in terms of conference play, Jackson State. Just in terms of the playoff part of that and what that looks like in terms of that matchup, if you would, Charles, uh, I'm going to start with you, Drew, and then save you for last, Charles, in terms of that. Do you see that as a playoff factor? And what else stands out to you about this matchup that we'll be able to talk more about on um, Thursday, Drew? I mean, it's a it's a pseudo playoff factor considering you only have like you said five conference games. You, you really can't afford one is tough. You definitely can't afford two L's 
and, and win your conference win. And we're talking about the uh, BIAC conference here when we're mm-hmm. talking about that. Uh, and, then, and then you go on the flip side with the swag and the gauntlet of the swag, surviving the gauntlet of the swag. Uh, and let, let's be real. The run that Jackson State is on, what, 17-0 and 0 in the swag in the last two years is uh, the except is the exception. It's not the rule. Yeah. Both, both sides, you're not going to have teams come out and oh and oh two consecutive two, two consecutive years. Not any year, let alone two consecutive years. So you've got that gauntlet in the swag that you're gonna have that you have to fight through to get to this championship game. And when you when you take a look at this bracket, Dr. Caville, you have to stop and take pause. Is it the, the fact that maybe the swag has to play that semifinal game in essence? Has that been one of the reasons for the MIAC dominance while the SWAC is over there continuing to battle and continuing to battle to get to the game? The MIAC, they're resting. They're scouting their two opponents because you know Central has uh, has a plan for Southern on Sunday or for Jackson State on Sunday that they're going to be implementing. Maybe that is the reason why they are get, why they have that dominance. Because let's think let's think about the the one celebration bowl that the SWAC won. If I remember correctly, the score was only ten to nine, and it was a uh, PAT, a missed PAT. That was the difference in that game. Or else we're talking about the SWAC having never won a celebration bowl. I'll digress, and I'll leave to Charles to uh, bring his points in. Great point, because I know a lot of folks have talked about that uh, over the years is the extended amount of time. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out of this game. Can they break that streak, uh, what that looks mm-hmm. like? And my other counterpart would be that uh, you can say, obviously, that game is central uh, loss to Grambling. And Grambling getting the victory was a one-point game. Um, four of the six matchups were a touchdown or less. Uh, with A&T winning. So you can look at it closely and say just the opposite, a play here and there, and you could have the opposite record in terms of the favor of the SWAC. So in some what ways, else? I think the competition between the two were pretty close. Were those fresh legs from four weeks versus well, two weeks, the difference? Uh, no one possession games? I I, I, I I set up and give it to Charles on that one. I, I, I don't know. I, I've heard some coaches talk about this, and you touched on a word that I think is important uh, in terms of uh, for SWAC teams, it's surviving that gauntlet uh, that is the SWAC conference play, that there is such a relief to win that SWAC championship that sometimes uh, they, they, they question whether they're up to play in the Celebration Bowl, whether they are, you know, obviously they're physically up to play, but are but is winning that – there, there is some wonder as to whether playing in the Celebration Bowl is anticlimactic. I don't think it's that way this year because there's been a preeminence, especially for Jackson State. They've said all the way back in, uh, you know, summer practice, uh, even going back before that, 13-0 and 0 was the goal. 13 I would say when they, got on the, when they got on the – I would say when they got on the – and after they gave congratulations, exactly. they won. They exactly. won't. Yeah. So they I mean, I, and finish the deal. You know, I think that's been some of the scuttlebutt, you know, among some of the coaches. But I, I it's 
Uh, there is no doubt. Uh, I think playing in that that that, that playoff sort of uh, week week in week out format that the MIAC has, uh, it definitely sharpens them going into that celebration. But when they have that time off, uh, you know, I, I used to wonder did it help or did it hurt. But obviously, the proof was in the pudding. So they, it has helped them. <laughs> can I can I throw one more thing out? Let's keep something in mind. This is the this. These last two years are the first two years that the that the BIAC has only had five games. Remember, prior to that, the BIAC was playing eight conference games, or was it seven conference games? I believe the BIAC was playing they eight playing conference eight. games. Well, they oh, had so yeah, they had their own gauntlet without the championship game, which kind of goes back to that. Even surviving that gauntlet with the eight games that the BIAC used to have, you still had four weeks to to I'm, rest. Recover, rehab, and any other artists you want to throw into it. Rehabilitate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to go with what they say in Las Vegas. Uh, Charles, you're like this in terms of stats. I think you all are trying to take too small of a sample size to make a case. I think you just have streaks. You look at the Super Bowl, uh, yeah. when you talk about the AFC and the NFC over the years, you've had both divisions go on significant streaks. And people couldn't just – figure it out. I mean, they basically were playing under the same rules. Uh, you had talented teams um, um, who would come out with significant records. And sometimes no matter what the records was, a team with two or three more wins would still uh, lose in regards to those streaks that you've seen in the AFC. And there's a couple of things there that go back to it. One, you're just talking about um, the fact that you're playing in a game where you have two teams that are playing well, right, to get to this point. You have two really good teams. Somebody has to lose. And so sometimes it's not just about all these other things. Shout out to the executive director, John Grant, because he was curious about what that looks like. And I had to really get into the stats. And you know this, Charles, to have stats to really be significant, to try to give you some analysis, you have to have a minimum of 30. We've only played six, seven of these games. It's not enough of a sample size to really get into significant cases of what it is. I think it's good in terms of us talking about it because, you know, there could be some factors there. But I think it's really too early to tell in regards to this. And I know we go in there and some people talk about the line play and this and that. And, again, I go back to the factor that of the, what, six games, four of the games were, like, close. <laughs> one play, which means that one team just made a couple of more plays than the other team. And it happened to be the team that came out of the MEAC. So you give them credit because the record is what it is. Uh, but to try to create the sound side, I think that's more about the fans of trying to register while their conference is better than the other conference or frustrated friends are saying, why is our conference that we have all this accolades in terms of attendance or uh, in terms of pseudo uh, marketing, if you would, why are we not able to have that play out on the field? You take the same thing. At one time, the MEAC went on a trend where they were winning the MEAC Swag Challenges. But if you start to break it down over the last couple of years, at least when it started playing in Atlanta, you've seen that it's been even. It's basically two and two. Uh, even if you go back to when they were on campus, other than the cancellation, you basically have three, three on three type of set in terms of what that looks like. So, again, we just need more sample size to see what this looks like over a period of time. And that being said, a little bit too much of the professor talk. 
Y'all asked for a little class, we gave it to you. Thank you for listening inside the HBC Sports Lab. Uh, with, make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Khalil, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, uh, as our clinical um, professor, A.D. Drew. Appreciate him driving the bus and jumping in here and relieving Mike Washington uh, as he is out on assignment every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday where we take a deep dive and really get into some of the players to watch. You've seen what came out of the SWAC today. Uh, with all the American teams you have even on some of the other sites with some of the fans, BJ Jones, talking about the, the player that led in sacks from Southern, not being lame defensive player of the year. Uh, and then you have get ready talking about, no, that's not the issue uh, in terms of how our team dominated, but you see it. It's going to be interesting when you get these two teams together, a lot of smoke. Who's going to want that smoke coaches talking about leaving coaches talking about coming coach just left the institution, came home. It's going to be a lot going on here. And at the end of the day, you can bring it up one more time. Uh, 80 Drew, what's on the line? It is an invitation to the Celebration Bowl to be played in two weeks in Atlanta, where it goes down for the ultimate trophy, the Celebration Bowl. And in this case, you're going to have, uh, you know, a top two, one and two type matchups. Or you can have a Southern team that's number four, they probably will jump up to three or two if they can get the victory. So you can have a top three, top two matchup regardless in the Celebration Bowl of two of the top teams. Uh, just imagine what that looks like. Man, we'll get to talk a little bit more on that on Thursday as we get into it, and then we'll be back on Sunday to wrap it all up to tell you what took place. With that being said, uh, we look forward to discussing this news on Thursday. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube, that's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Like and subscribe. My JBN, my BCSN, make sure you download it on your apps as we continue to do and produce more uh, program. You see that we were able to get you the playoff game against Benedict, so check it out. Dream big, continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Drew? Lecture dismissed for all of